Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders. I'm here with my buddy, Les Hughes. Les, how are you doing today, my friend? What's up, John? All good, man. Nice to see you got that flannel out for this time of year. Looking sharp, man. It's flannel season, man. It's uh, <laughs> winter in South Dakota, so whether we like it or not, it's here. Do you ever wear flannels, Les? Absolutely. Yeah, no question. We got about two weeks in Alabama that I can wear flannel in January. Then it's back to the tank <laughs> tops, right? That's it. Yeah. Flip-flops. Well, hey, man, we're going to uh, talk about a really important subject today as you and I are the, we are the guests today. We don't really have a guest to, to bring on today. We just want to take a little bit of uh, time to have a conversation together. We're going to talk about some common roadblocks or obstacles that stand in the way of pastors pursuing some kind of entrepreneurial side hustle or developing multiple streams of revenue, because there are some things that hold people back. If this were easy, everyone would be doing it. And so we just want to put a spotlight on those today, less, and then toward the end, maybe give some solutions of, well, how do we overcome these roadblocks? So um, I'm going to throw the first one out and we're going to spend some time uh, drilling down into this because this can look like a lot of things. But at the end of the day, one of the biggest roadblocks that I would point to is fear. There's there's a lot of fear surrounding this for a lot of people, you know, in terms of moving forward. So what are some examples of that? Or what does that look like less when, when a pastor is afraid to take action and move forward with this stuff? Yeah, we could spend all of our time here. Probably this whole category is, is pretty amazing when you think about it, because most pastors and leaders that I know from a platform can be bold as a lot as a lion, you know, when it, because we're saying we got God's word, it's thus saith the Lord. And we got all the confidence that we need, but when it comes to the unfamiliar and and for many people in ministry, what we're talking about is pretty unfamiliar. That's where the fear sets in. So I think yeah. one of the fears is, man, what, what are people going to think, you know, and what's my church going to think? And what are my peers going to think? I mean, is it like, man, why does he need another job? Why, why does he need an extra income? What's, what's going on over there? Can they not pay the man or can we not pay the man? Is, is he not good with his money? I mean, you know, those or are, how about this one, Les? Uh, why, why is he not satisfied to live on what we are paying him? We're paying him a full-time yeah. salary after all, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, never mind that's $32,000 a year, but, um, but yeah. why, why is he not content to live? You know, what's wrong? Does he not love the Lord anymore or as much because he, you know, wants to be something more than a pastor? So there's a lot of voices in, in a, in a pastor's head around that. Like we've got this traditional model of what, for many years, traditionally, full-time pastoral ministry has looked like, and for a pastor to break out of that orbit is there's there's some mental work that has to be done to to overcome some fear around exactly what you said. What what's the church going to think? What are people going to say if they see their pastor building a, a business of his own in addition to being a pastor? So, what would you say to that pastor? Go ahead, Les. Well, yeah, I, I can say what I was going to say and answer the question at the same time. I'll give you a, 
a real good example from, from our perspective. So most of the feedback that we've received from the people, from the whole, all, everything that we've done in terms of the, our writing podcasts, virtual event, live event conversations that we've had, uh, all, all of that I, 99 plus percent has been very, very positive every once in a while. There would be somebody who'll usually a, a troller or or a, or a hater or somebody that just doesn't get the message. Somebody uh, posted a, a message the other day that I'm paraphrasing, but it said something like, "Clearly, these guys don't understand what it means to be called by God." Oh, I didn't see that. Where, like that. where was that? Oh, yeah. I need to go well, respond to this because it was it was deleted very quickly. Oh. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so Praise I'm just not going to put up. Well, I'm just not going to put up with that. First of all, the guy was completely off base. So I went and I just went and looked at his profile. He's not even, he, he's not in ministry. He, he is a, a business guy. There were some other things that he's just very, very narrow-minded and uh, probably, well, I'll just stop there because but, but he just doesn't really clearly understand the things that we've said. We both have a, a very defined and a very clear sense of calling from God to do what we do and to be in ministry. So, and, and to serve. So here's the, here's the deal. First of all, I know the truth. You, so this is the answer to your question. I know the truth. Mm. And, and when it's all said and done, you know, we answer to the Lord for how we respond to his calling on our life. We're also helping so many people to re, to really make an impact on their world and to, you know, the, the, the income part, the money part, everybody's got to answer those questions for themselves. It's a tool, just like a lot of other things is a tool. If it, if it becomes a God to anyone, well, of, of course, that's idolatry and, you know, it's wrong. So those are our convictions and core values that each individual has to have themselves. And so you just got to listen. So here's the how you respond. We listen to an audience of one. We're here to serve and please the Lord. And if the people that want to come along for the ride, that is awesome. But it's like Nehemiah being on the wall. And here comes Sam Ballant and Tobiah and the critics. And his response, you just don't get any better. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Yeah. That's what I would yeah. say. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up that that message we got from the hater. By the way, I I love getting hate mail from time to time because it says that your messaging is right on track. If if yes, everyone loves what you're doing, um, you're probably being too vanilla, you know. And so the fact that there's, yeah. you know, the message is clear enough to to certainly draw people in, but repel others is good. That means we're speaking with some clarity. Um, and, and but here's the thing, Les. I'm glad you mentioned that because it shows. That like that is someone giving voice to a very real narrative that is out there, and as a result of some people in our church thinking that way, as pastors, we've accepted that, you know. So for many pastors, we have that whether it's our own voice or someone in our church speaking, basically saying, "Hey, you can't be more than a pastor. That is all you do. This is your sole identity." And and so what I'm getting ready to say may sound a little abrasive, less, but I'm I'm not really apologizing for it. My challenge to a pastor that's in that place of fear of like, man, what is my church going to think? Do I have permission to do this? My challenge to that pastor is don't ask for permission. You lead. I believe there's a new day coming in in pastoral ministry as far as what it's going to look like, the new normal. 
And it is going to be a, a normal that embraces pastors being in the marketplace by necessity in many cases, but also by benefit. Like we're going to come to realize this is actually a beneficial thing on so many levels to have our pastors out in the marketplace. And so my prayer, here's the abrasive part, if I haven't been abrasive enough yet, Les. The abrasive <laughs> yeah. part is my prayer is the day is coming for some of the, that profile of a church that thinks because they pay this whopping you know, $35,000 full-time salary, and then as a result, we get to say, Pastor, you can't do this or that, or you can only do this or that. My prayer is the day will come that that church will not be able to find a pastor to come and lead them because we're helping pastors expect more for their lives and for their families. But I'm glad you mentioned that because it just gives voice to that very real narrative that's out there that is enough to hold some pastors kind of locked into fear of, man, what are people going to think if I'm pursuing this? So that's a real voice. It's a real fear that we have to help mm -hmm. pastors push through if they're going to become an entree pastor. Yes. And you know something else? I don't know what his intentions were or what the state of his heart is, but I, but I do know going from what I could see about him, uh, this, this particular person, he is not sitting in this chair and probably has never sat in this chair and has never worn this hat or whatever metaphor we want to use you and I have, mm -hmm. and the people that we're serving have. And so that's why I just could quickly go in there and just, you know, delete the comment and move on. I'm sharing it in this context. See, you and I haven't even talked about it because I just didn't bring it up, but I'm sharing it in this context because I think that's the fear that a lot of people would have that would, that would keep them in the place where they are when you can just push through that and remember that we're doing our work. Like Paul wrote to Col to the Colossi church, we're doing our work as unto the Lord. It's yeah. him that we serve. Yeah. But you're right, though, Les, and I'm so glad you said that because it doesn't matter that he's never sat in our chair, so to speak. It's those voices that we as pastors listen to, people that we serve in the congregation who've never been called by God to lead a church or to be a pastor. They don't they don't know the weight that is on the shoulders of a, a normal, you know, senior pastor and their family. And yet they're more than happy to speak in with a lot of authority in many cases into you know what they expect of that senior leader and that pastor. So it's a it's a great point. That narrative is out there. People will give voice to it, whether they understand the, the world of pastoring or not. So I, I love what you're saying. You're basically inviting our audience, listen to some pastors that have been there, done that, and will help help you push through that fear of what will other people think. Doesn't matter what other people think. Doesn't matter what your board or, you know, Gladys in the congregation thinks. Like lead in a direction that is healthy for you and your family and your church will be better for it as well. So yes. yeah, that's good stuff. And and another thing we could talk about too under this head headlining of fear is fear of failing, right? Like that is so conditioned into us from the time we're young in school. Like we, we don't we don't really welcome failure in our modern educational system. We we want everyone to get it right. And so we've got probably pastors going, man, I don't know that I should attempt to do anything here because what if it doesn't work? What if I launch a business or put myself out there, you know, to, to build another stream of revenue and it doesn't work? What would you say to that pastor, Les, that's, that's kind of held in check with the fear of failure? One thing I would say is take the F word out of your vocabulary. You know, just don't think of it in that way because you're either you're either uh, succeeding or you're 
if we want to use that word, or you're learning. You know, so these are the kind of the internal fears that the first one that we mentioned was an external. This is all internal. It's all the voice that we listen to ourselves. So again, it's everything is an experiment. Yeah. And I know that there are some things that don't work out the way we want them to. I'm, I'm, uh, op- I'm, I'm clear minded about that. So I don't, I don't live in a fantasy world, but I, w- I use language or I use language like that. If something doesn't work or it doesn't uh, get the results in the time frame that personally I want it to, then that's the way that I usually put that. Somebody says, whatever happened to that project, it didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to. <laughs> that I, I say that quite a bit. Yeah. Or I may say, yeah, that's going really well. Or the jury's still out. I'm not really sure. And again, we can uh, get on, on other podcasts. We talk about how to do that and how to measure success. And uh, we even had on our on our member call, uh, I think it was just yesterday, we talked about putting timelines and deadlines and, and, and how to determine when we've given something enough time to know whether it's going to get the results that we want or not. There are ways to do that. We don't want to just beat our head against a brick wall in a continual way when we're not getting the results, but that's not fair. I I would say this, if if we want to use success failure language, then the only way we can really fail is by not trying. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Failing forward, you know, like that we learn, we call it an experiment. If it doesn't work out exactly like we had hoped or planned, well, now we know something we've learned. We've got some, some foundation to build on as we take the next step of action moving forward. But, um, but yeah, I just think we've, we've conditioned ourselves so much to think that failure is somehow a bad thing, you know, like failure Mm And so we're so afraid of it that, man, we just won't start at all for fear of what if it doesn't work and what if it fails. And and right along with that, Les, is kind of another thought is fear of success. Now, that may sound kind of weird, um, you know, at first blush, but but again, for many pastors that have for far too long probably kind of been in a place of a scarcity mindset, a poverty mentality where we've been conditioned to think like, hey, you should learn to live on almost nothing and like it and be grateful for it. And so the thought of, man, what if this actually works? And what if what if our family actually had $80,000 a year or $120,000 a year in income? For, for a normal pastor, that's almost an unthinkable thing. And yet in business, it's not hard to get there at all. Like it's very a doable thing to to build up a business to the point where you're starting to see, you know, an income that's much more comfortable than what you ever experienced as a kind of a normal traditional pastoral role. Um, and so for some that may cause them to to shrink back and go, well, who am, who am I going to be with that kind of an income? So what would you say to that pastor that honestly, they've never made six digits in their life in a year ever. And that thought, if they were to be honest, it kind of scares them a little bit. I don't know who I'm going to be if I make this much money. Absolutely. You know, it reminds me of the story of uh, when Jesus healed or was going to heal the man who couldn't walk. And he said, do you want to get well? And it just sounds like such a ridiculous question on the surface, but Jesus was saying a lot in that question, possibly. Do you want to have the responsibility of not being able to sit here and, you know, beg others for money when they come by, because you're in their culture, at least real vulnerable and and needy and and pretty helpless and dependent upon other people. And so I don't know if that's a great 
analogy, but do you want to get well? Because with that wellness comes a level, it does come a level of responsibility and a, and a, 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 in many ways, a, a different kind of life, same person, you're the same person as you always were, but it does create some different kinds of uh, challenges. And John, you know what it does? It, it, if you're that successful and you have more resources, it sort of takes away an excuse that a lot of people use not to accomplish more. Mm, that's good. That's good. Here's one thing I found. You know what? I've known people that have said, boy, I'd love to give to this cause, or I'd, I'd love to, to, to provide something more if I just had it, you know, and if, and when my ship comes in or when this deal pays off, or when I get this promotion, or when I get this larger church, then I'm going to be different. That's not going to happen. Mm. Gener- generosity, those kinds of things, generosity, wisdom, responsibility, those are, those are internal. And, you know, you, if a generous person is a generous person, they'll find a way to give. And matter of fact, personally, some of the most generous people that I know don't have a ton of resources, at least what we would think of as they're not they're not um, wealthy by by human standards. Anyway, yeah. their, their wealth comes in a different form. But uh, I would say those are those are some reasons that some people are as crazy as it sounds are fearful of success. Well, I love that we're kind of just putting a spotlight on these different sorts of fears because they may manifest differently. They may sound like a really spiritual excuse or, you know, reason why I can't do this. Other people can, I can't. We're just calling it what it is. It's fear. And so uh, I don't know where this lands for you if you're listening to this, but uh, really evaluate if if you're struggling to get started and move into this. <clears throat> where's the fear? And let's call it what it is. Let's let's bring it out of the darkness and the shadows and into the light. So, uh, another common roadblock, Les, that we see as we hear stories and and work with pastors is simply just not knowing where to start. Like they're they're convinced this is a good idea. Like I I love the thought of having some more streams of revenue for my family and maybe owning a business or doing something, you know, building up a side hustle, but I'm, I just don't know where to start. I feel very overwhelmed. So what would we say to that pastor that's in that place that's struggling with, I don't even know how to get started. Before I get there, let me make one more comment that just occurred to me about the fear part. You know, the opposite of fear is not courage. It's not necessarily boldness. The, the, the opposite of, or the contrast of fear is faith. It's about just trusting, you know, the Lord to at least allow something to be successful or to show you that you're going down the wrong path and, and may need to pivot. Okay. I'll leave that behind, but I just happened to think about that. It's faith, man. We're talking to people of faith and uh, that's the opposite of fear. Yeah. Um, as far as I don't know where to start or I, I feel overwhelmed, there, there's some, that's a, that's a valid uh, internal discussion that we have, but I would say one place you, you've taken, if you're listening to this, you've taken sort of a first step and just really trying to figure it out and listen to some voices that can help you think differently and get started. And there are some, uh, there are some resources that you can uh, get. There are some uh, big, kind of some uh, first level, first tier books that, that you can read that we can suggest as well. Um, but I would say you may want to begin by, if, if you really are starting from scratch, I mean, and just it's in the early, early stages, then 
for me, John, it helps to take a, a personal retreat. And, and if you, if you're uh, at a point where you can get away for a couple of days to someplace that is just you and the Lord, and maybe your Bible and a notepad and just start dumping stuff out of your brain onto a piece of paper mm-hmm. that helps with the overwhelm. It gives some order to a lot of stuff that's going around up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that are on your to-do list, even, even if it's calls you need to make visits, you need to make, because all that stuff ends up being distracting and a pastor never has to look for things to do. Oh. There's always something to do in many ways that work at the end of the day is really never completed. But I would say even, you know, Jesus would find those times of retreat, even if it was in the early hours of the morning or maybe pull away for a day and unplug and go to a hillside, whatever you have, even a couple of hours is better than nothing. And I would say, just start with that kind of just a, just a brain dump and get everything so you can see it. That's just one step. Yeah. Something else I I would use this opportunity to point our audience to a get started guide that we offer just as a way to another tool to kind of help filter through some stuff and think through some stuff. Uh, So if you just go to entrepastors.com slash start, you can get this uh, free downloadable get started guide. And as a part of that, we, we offer up, I think 50 or more just ideas, practical ideas of this is what a side hustle could look like for you. And maybe something in there as you're going through that will trigger some thoughts. But I agree, like there needs to be some system that that helps you get that clarity and sort through just all of the the cloudiness, you know, that that otherwise keeps someone paralyzed going, I just feel overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. And that really leads to the next um, roadblock because these are kind of, these go hand in hand, Les, the, the next one we wanted to talk about. And that is a reluctance to take action. I think it's great if if we've got pastors listening to this podcast as part of, you know, kind of that educational process. They're downloading the Get Started Guide, you know, whatever. All of that's good. The books you want to read, the podcast you want to listen to, but at some point we've got to move beyond the listening and the watching and the learning and we have to move into that realm of now I'm going to take action. I mean, that is an action to some degree. I, I'm, you know, listening to a podcast or whatever. That's that's a baby step. But at some point, we've got to move and do the next thing. And oftentimes, Les, we won't really see the next step illuminated until we take that first step. You know, so often we've got to start taking action. What is that? That law, it's a law of physics that it's easier to direct an object in motion or something like that, mm-hmm. right? It's, that's yeah. a real thing, isn't it, Les? It is. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. But yeah. It, I think but it, it, it makes sense, it. right? If, if we're yeah. already moving, it's a lot easier for God to kind of nudge and bump us and guide us down the path that he desires ultimately versus if we're just this stagnant, you know, immovable object. So take a step of action and, and move forward. That's That's one of the biggest things I could say to our audience today if they're in that place of feeling overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, do something, right? Like move. That's right. Uh, you know, per, I'm talking, I know I'm talking to a lot of perfectionists that are listening. I know you, dude. I know you because I look at you in the mirror every single day. Yeah. But in this world, what we're talking and what we're talking about and the moves we're talking about making done is better than perfect. Mm. Um, you can, we can always pivot, you can always change. Um, you know, it depends upon when, when you start out in something like this, 
whatever the venture is, whether it's service-based or, or information-based or something else, man, if it's, if it's e-commerce or something, there's most of those things, John, it, it takes a little upfront investment to get, just to get, at least get started. Mm-hmm. So, but what happens, I think is in fact, people that are listening are going to know this procrastination can just, or, or perfectionism and the need for perfectionism is just in some cases, a form of procrastination. Right. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow just personally. When, when we were beginning, when I was really starting out in the world of entrepreneurialism, when it, when I first began, I wanted everything to be just right and, and perfect. I'm a, I'm a researcher. Mine is, uh, you know, uh, research, research, ready, aim, 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 fire, you know, because as a, as a leader, you don't want to be wrong. You know, you don't want people second guessing you, you've got those, that trust factor is gained one good decision at a time and a poor decision on the part of a leader can, can really be a, a, a withdrawal from that trust account. But the things that we're talking about aren't at that level. Yeah. You know, we're talking about minor, a lot of times minor decisions, or at least where there's not a ton at stake that you can recover from if you need to, yeah. but you won't know. You're never going to know, I guess is the point until you try it. Yeah. All the speculation, all the homework, all the research you do, just, just do it. Last year, I'm speaking from experience because the entire last year, my word for the year, John was execute you know, and I, and we did, yeah. we executed some things, we put some things in place and I, I can't think of anything that I actually regret having done. We, again, not everything turned out the way that we wanted, but we've learned so much. I've learned so much, but sometimes you just have to execute. Yeah. Well, and that's a good transition to the next one, the final uh, roadblock that we want to identify, at least in this podcast episode. And that is a reluctance to make an investment into myself. Again, that's that and action often go hand in hand because you may ask someone, well, why aren't you moving? And they would say, well, because my next step is I know I need to buy this equipment to get this thing started, or I need to invest in that course to, to really help kind of fast track my knowledge of how to do this thing or whatever. And and now the the rubber's meeting the road because now money's getting involved. And, you know, the whole reason most of us are moving into this is because money's kind of tight to begin with. And now I'm asking, I'm being asked to put my money where my mouth is. And so there's a reluctance to make that investment into ourself. And, you know, I, if I can just put some very real clothes on this, I'll give an example of this right now in my own world lesson. I'm just going to put it out there for my own accountability. Plus, it'll be an encouragement to others, I think. Uh, that might be in a similar place. So <clears throat> I'm I'm in a place right now with my son, my youngest son. He's he's wired to be an entrepreneur, and as his dad, I want to feed that in him. He recently started working at our local small town hardware store for you know 11 bucks an hour, and nothing wrong with that. It's honorable work, but I want him to learn at a young age your time is worth so much more than 11 dollars an hour. Right. So I've been kind of looking at starting a business that he and I can do together and maybe even bring in one of my other my other son 
um, because he's also very much wired to be an entrepreneur. And so we've been having, I've been having conversations with Jody Pastore, who's a part of our membership community here, very active in the Entree Pastors community. I've been asking him about one, specifically one business that he does, which is a service-based business where he goes out into these commercial properties and they'll spray, kind of fog these areas, do some disinfecting for COVID and flu and, and that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and to, just to be very blunt, it's about a $2,000 investment to get some very basic equipment and uh, you can do it for a little less, but I'm, I'm usually the guy that says, let's just do it all the way right away. But it's a $2,000 thing that I'm sitting here looking at. That isn't so scary to me where, where the fear then comes in a little bit is, well, is anybody going to buy this? I know they're, they're, I know Jody's selling this and doing great in his market, but will anybody buy it here? And you know where are we going to get our first few clients and customers from? So I'm in just in that place right now thinking about starting another business, and and yet there's that reluctance to make that investment. I'm going to have to push through, and I will, by the way. Like I'm going to push through that. What's the worst thing that happens? If, the, if it just absolutely bombs, I spent $2,000, that I won't get back, and I will have learned something from that. But but you can when you can sell it. Yeah, absolutely. You can get it back probably. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just I share that story just to be somewhat vulnerable and to be an encouragement to someone who's on that in that space of like, man, I want to get started, but I want you to see that like this is a real thing. It's a real roadblock, an obstacle that comes up. But at some point, we have to make a decision to push through that discomfort and make the investment. Uh, Les, what are some other examples of investments that people might be hesitant to make into themselves that you and I would encourage them, you should make mm -hmm. the investment. Sure. Well, personal uh, you know, coaching or being in a mastermind group, whether it, and I know that that sounds self-serving, but that doesn't make it not true. Right. You know, we, we happen to have, we, we do have what I believe is a very robust uh, mastermind group and membership that people are, are joining all the time. And I, there's a reason for that. So whether it's our community or another one, invest in yourself. And let me give you an example. I'm talking to a lot of pastors and leaders and people that have led different organizations. So this is going to ring true with you, whether you're a CEO or a senior pastor, or if you lead your family, generally it's true that what you invest in will excel especially more over things that you don't invest in, whatever area that is. So for example, if you're leading a church and you pour investments, manpower, people power, uh, volunteers, facilities, um, financial resources, what you fuel will usually excel. If you fuel student ministry, student ministry is going to excel. If you, if you invest in five-star Eagle staff members, you're going to have an awesome staff member. If you invest in a teaching team, you're going to have a great, a great teaching ministry and preaching ministry at your church. If you invest in children's ministry, or if you invest most of your uh, resources into a facility, you're going to have an awesome facility. Rare is the church that is able to, or that does invest in all that equally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if that's, that's kind of an anomaly, they're out there. But normally, what you invest in will excel. Same is true of yourself. If you invest in the, in the goals and the things that are going to help you reach the goals that you have, you're way more likely to reach them 
and reach them more quickly. You know, I believe that I'm, I'm going to get the percentages wrong, maybe, but some of our mentors usually say, uh, as a rule of thumb, you should be, you should be investing about five to 6% of your income, of your, of your take-home income in personal development, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, books to read, um, uh, seminars to attend, masterminds or cohorts to be a part of personal coaching, whatever that is. So that seems to be a pretty good rule of thumb. And I've heard that from various sources. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Les, at at this point in the show, normally we'd be switching gears right now into more of what we call our backstage area where we create some premium content for those that are in our community or simply just our backstage subscribers. But uh, for this episode, we're just going to make the whole thing available because we're really gearing this episode towards someone that's on the beginning cusp of all of this. They're just getting started. And so we're just going to go ahead and give this entire episode out in the free podcast, not put any of it behind the premium uh, wall of our membership or any of that. So let's do this. Let's spend the, the last little bit of this episode talking about some solutions. We've kind of mentioned a few along the way here, but you know, what are some solutions that we would offer up practically to someone that will help them overcome these roadblocks of fear or hesitancy to, you know, take action or get started because they feel overwhelmed or, you know, that reluctance to make that investment into themselves? What, uh, what, what are some solutions that we would point to and say, practically speaking, here's how you overcome these roadblocks? Yeah, well, here's the first one that I would do. I would make a decision today of what voices you're going to listen to. So you can't control what other people say and certainly what other people mm-hmm. think. You can control uh, who, who you listen to and the weight that you give those voices. Yeah. So whatever, whatever it takes, find a tribe of people who understand what you're saying, what you're thinking, what your goals are, It's just, John, it takes so much uh, time and energy trying to convince someone that we don't need to convince really in order to reach those objectives. So whatever it takes to put people around you that, that understand what your goals and objectives are and can help you get there. And will say to you, instead of saying to you, what in the world do you want to do that for? You know, that that's not going to work. How's that, you know, rather than listen to the, having those folks, those folks are going to be around, yep. um, yep. by the way, they may be called family, yep. but find those folks that are, that, that you can put around you that really do get it. Who can say, Hey man, that sounds incredible. Let me, sh- can I share with you a couple of things you may want to think about? That's what you want to hear. Yeah. And you can't control that, you know, of who you're around and who you listen to. Yeah. So get surrounded by positive community and certainly less there's, there's plenty of great options out there. You and I don't claim to be the, the be all end all, but I'm just going to use this opportunity to remind someone who may be new to our world. We do offer a membership community for our audience, for our listeners. And it is such an encouraging group of people. We're still in the beginning stages of this, so we're offering it just an extremely reasonable founding members rate of $29 a month. That price will go up, not for those that that get in on it now. That'll be your price as long as you're in the group. Uh, But we do see ourselves increasing the cost of not only our membership, but our mastermind 
But these are great environments for you to be surrounded by like-minded people that will encourage you, that will give you ideas and you know, um, just that support to, to keep moving forward in this new role. So you're saying one of the biggest things is to get surrounded by healthy community as a way to overcome some of these roadblocks. That's right. And the reason, the reason that those, uh, entry level prices are going to go up is because we, not so that we can line our own pockets. We we're going to, I mean, uh, hopefully that's going to help us reach some of those financial goals. Like we're trying to help other people, but we also want to provide more and it, those that takes resources to do that. But as we, as we achieve them, we can provide more for the people in that community and it's well worth, well worth many, many times what, um, what the investment is, but that's just so that we can make that as robust and helpful to people as we can. Yeah. So in addition to community, another thing that, and you mentioned this just a minute ago, Les, you mentioned coaching and having like you and I could, we could spend entire episodes talking about the value of coaching that you and I have received in our own life and on, on our own Andre pastor's journey. And we're just here to tell our audience, this will fast track you like nothing else to get surround, having a coach or a group of coaches alongside of you, you know, kind of flying on your wings, so to speak, that, that are there to support you, to encourage you, to hold you accountable, to push you at times that will move you so much farther, faster than you would ever go. Just trying to figure it out and kind of muddle your way through it on your own. Not that nobody needs a coach. Um, but man, it is a, it is such a blessing to have someone working with you on that capacity. So not only do we offer that through our community, but we, we offer that specific coaching that can be done with pastors as well. We certainly have the mastermind and and if someone needed even more one-on-one attention, certainly I think we could find a way to make, you know, to serve them at that level as well. If there was just like some really in-depth stuff they needed, but uh, what would you say to that pastor today, Les, that is like, man, I've heard so much about coaching. I just don't know. Like, what, what would you say to them? I would say don't hire someone just because they claim to be a coach. Find somebody who's doing what you want to do, who's who's successful mm. doing what you want to do, and then approach that person or or that group and get in on that stuff. You know, success does leave clues and most people that have gotten there, people that we know, John, most of them are, are more than happy to help somebody else reach, reach those goals as well. You know, rare, rare is the person that is successful as a, as a coach or in this world that snubs someone else for seeking help because they hadn't been that long, probably that they were right in the same place. And if, if they're that kind of person, they won't stay where they are very long. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. So, so I would say anybody can make big claims, but you get in there and do a little bit of homework, talk to some people and you find somebody who's doing what you want to do and been successful at it. And more than likely they'd be willing to help. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess less for me, the, the last thing I'm going to offer up as a solution, if you will, to these roadblocks, a way to overcome it, it it's action. It is taking Action, and I know that may sound counterintuitive if you were leaning in, hoping to hear just some uh, amazingly profound truth. But honestly, there it is. The, the, what separates successful people from non-successful people is action. You know, a lot of people will think about it, they'll talk about it, they'll complain about it, they'll pray about it, they'll do a lot, everything short of actually 
taking action and moving forward in their life. And so I don't know where this lands with you, those of you that are listening to this episode, what action step you need to take in your life. But that is my biggest piece of encouragement to you down this path. You want to overcome these hurdles? Take action. Look them in the eye, identify them, and act anyway. Act in spite of the fear. Act in spite of the reluctance to you know, move forward and, and invest in yourself. Take action and you will overcome these barriers that generally hold us back. That's it. And here's the good news, John, you mentioned that resource that we have on entrepastors.com forward slash start. And there, there are just, there are over 50, but there are way more than that. Many times that ideas, things Mm -hmm. that you can do, um, businesses that you can have, um, things that you can grow. Here's the good news is everybody guess how many it takes to achieve a lot of the goals that you have. It takes one. Yep. Just one. And chances are you'll have several that are fun, that are fulfilling, that are rewarding in many, in many ways, but really all it takes is one to make a huge leap from where you are to where you really want to be. Yeah. That's so good. Well, Les, as you and I get ready to sign off of this episode, we just want to remind our audience, if there's anything we can do to be of support or encouragement to them, first of all, uh, the website is entrepastors.com. Go there, check that out. Uh, also, if you want to reach out to Les or I personally, it's simply our names, uh, Les or John at entrepastors.com. If you want to shoot us an email, uh, feel free to do that. And if you've not done so yet, we would invite you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure that you get, you know, you're in a place where every time we release a new episode, it shows up on your device, whatever it is you uh, listen to podcasts on. And one last thing we should ask for, Les, we don't always do this, but is for a rating and review. Would you mind making the plea for that to our audience? Yeah, it's really encouraging, not only to us, but also to people that are checking out what we're doing. If you'll, if you'll go to whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, give us a, a, a good review. If you can honestly do that, hopefully you can. And then, uh, you know, five stars, preferably John, I think. Yeah, and then I would like maybe that. just a, yeah, maybe just a comment or two about what your takeaway has been or, or what somebody might want to want to hear that would listen. We'd really appreciate that. It would help grow the show some and, and uh, influence or impact more people. Yeah. Well, Les, one last request I got of you before we sign off. Next time we get someone with some with some hater aid, you know, for the the community. You want it? I want I want to see it, and I, I don't know. Maybe right. I'm a fighter, but I say like we blow it up and you know let everybody see it, and that's just Good. that's pugnacious. I don't know if that's the right spirit or not, but uh, all I'm saying is if you if you want to say something mean, go ahead. I want to see those too. So. My my deal with that is a lot of times that's what they're looking for, and I don't want to reward it. So I'm just hard headed about it like that. I'm like, eh, I don't. I didn't. Maybe I didn't even read it, dude. You're so <laughs> mature, Les. I, I admire that about you. We need we need your maturity <laughs> and your your poise because I just want to fight. So anyway, I hear you. All right. Well, God bless everybody. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of this episode. And uh, again, reach out if there's anything we can do to serve you. All the best as you continue to overcome these hurdles that keep people held back and uh, all the success to you as you pursue becoming an entree pastor. Les, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Hi, John. Talk to you later.